0: Welcome to SciPod Radio, where we bring you the story behind the science. I'm your host, Tom Reddett, and today we're joined by Dominique Broussard. Dominique is a professor and chair in the Department of Life Sciences Communication at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Her research focuses on the intersection between science, media, policy, and is also an internationally recognized expert in public opinion dynamics related to controversial scientific issues. Uh, It's a real privilege to have her on the show, so welcome, Dominique. I'm really, really excited to have you here on the show. Thanks for having me, Tom. Really a pleasure. No problem at all. And I actually could have given that introduction for about 20 minutes, I think, because there's uh, quite a few different things that you do. Um, so I wonder if we could start there briefly, if you could go, give us kind of a, a, a kind of broad overview of a little bit of your background, you know, uh, what got you to where you are today, and then also a little bit on what you're doing you know, currently.
1: Yes, of course. I actually came to social sciences from the back door, if you, if you wish. Uh, I started as a, a agronomical engineer in France and was particularly interested in plant genetics and at the early time of of GMOs, and basically, I wanted to save the world by creating, you know, like plans resisting to droughts and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. However, uh, re- working in a lab was not really for me. So I worked for a private company in the consulting sector for a few years. And I realized that what really mattered for me was really to understand how people felt about things. Why were they resistant to change or why were they, against something technologies or others and so on. So I came back to uh, graduate school and did a doctorate in uh, in science communication. And the topic of my thesis and my research at that time was understanding public perceptions of GMOs, more particularly related to food. It was one of the first studies that attempted to do that with, uh, to some extent, a scientific perspective, you know, building models to try to understand attitudes toward these complicated issues. And I have continued doing this kind of research since then.
0: Okay, perfect. So, yeah, so all all sort of focused now on that kind of communication area more than anything else.
1: Yeah, so communication, basically, that idea of uh, what type of information, what type of messaging uh, resonate with people's minds and uh, What are the processes at play that may explain why people resist or do not resist or accept or do not accept or are concerned or not about new technologies? And when I'm saying science, I'm interested in meaning the type of science that has not only technical side of it, but has also technical, legal social, ethical implications where, uh, let's say, hard science alone, alone cannot bring answers. You do have also to think in terms of social sciences as well.
0: Mm, okay, yeah, so like a, a, a holistic view of science communication from Yeah, that very tangible, practical kind of science, hard sciences, as you will, and then that and the more kind of yeah, social sciences and things and policy making, that kind of thing.
1: Right. Right. So so I'm not a communicator of science. I'm not a science writer and so on. What I try Mm -hmm. to understand is, you know, at the end of the day, Tom, when Mm -hmm. you have your show, you don't know how your audience reacts to your show. You don't know what they think from it you don't know what are the points that they found salient or and so on so the idea is understanding what are those processes and how people make sense of science messages
0: okay very interesting um okay and and uh, i suppose a lot of that and i did have a a quick look on on, uh, beforehand a few of your different articles and things like that um roughly around or oh, well, the direction i would like to kind of take this is towards the social media side of things so i think it's you know very much a, a big topic area at the moment uh, and there's a lot of confusion on, on what people should be doing or should not be doing or how it needs to be used whether it's a good thing a bad thing and, and all those kind of things so i'd just like to get a bit of a an, an overview as we're standing on on your viewpoints on social media and, in in not only general terms of the world, but then also how we can be utilized for scientists and researchers. And as you say, how how you've seen it impact people's perceptions of communication or how they're interpreting information. Yeah, and that's a great point, Tom. And obviously, you know, if you study communication
1: processes, you do have to study social media and the effect. And my lab uh, lately for the last, I would say five or six years has devoted mainly into understanding how controversy come to play in social media platform and, you know, using big data and algorithms and so on to make sense of what people are discussing and what type of, of processes at that they play. And more importantly, you know, how the discussions that go on online might impact people's perception of a different type of science. One area of research is uh, focusing on comments and how the fact that comments are civil or not civil, if people are rude, if people are trolling and so on, how does impact people's perception of science? And what we have found is, you know, when people read, root comments for example compared to the same post that does not have root comments uh, those mm-hmm. that see the root comments tend to think that the post itself is less trustworthy than those that see the same post what with uh, comments that are more civil so at the end of the day what it's important for people when they are in social media settings and when they read the science stories to be aware that it's not that they're reading a piece a news piece Disconnected from you know the the environment that every other little um, element that's there, the number of likes, the number of shares, the type of comments, may color how they interpreted that science story itself. So I think it's really important for people to be de- to be media literate to understand that indeed it's not like just reading a piece of newspaper disconnected, but all those cues that are aware in the social media environment without us even being aware of it, impact how we perceive science. So I think it's very important to to know that. Uh, Number two, I think, as scientists, uh, you know, and uh, and I don't know, I mean, if there's any uh, scientists in the audience right now, it's important also to be aware that there's a science of science communication, that there's a lot of things we know about how you frame your message, how, you know, the type of, let's say, Words you use in your tweet might be perceived by audiences and so on. So it's very important for those who do want to actually communicate about science to realize that there's a science in doing it well and that there's a lot of way to get trained, you know, like either in a short amount of time or or, or longer period if they're interested. But it's extremely important to do it well, because right now, obviously, with the very pressing problems we face it's important that all of us we make an effort to communicate science in the best way possible
0: mm, yeah absolutely so it's it's a very interesting time isn't it where you know even just maybe seven or eight years ago you you could have released a piece of science communication and nobody would be commenting on anything Um, even blog posts there there was often room for people to comment but people didn't really at that much not at the scale that we're seeing on on social media platforms and so you had that almost one-way communication and it's interesting you bring up the um, how much the comments influenced people's decisions Um, there's a lot of things on that within the kind of marketing space and, and commerce where you know people will believe a online review as much as a or near enough as much as a recommendation from a friend um so i can imagine yeah there's a lot of impact given on you release a scientific article and then what those comments are underneath will frame a lot of people's judgment of your science um something very much to be aware of for people so Uh, I I do have, not to put you on the spot, but I I saw a a bit of a quote that I'd like to dive a little bit deeper in. Um, You you said to uh, UW Communications, um, something uh, roughly, um, our analysis shows a self-reinforcing spiral, which means more people see a shrinking and more similar set of news and opinions on science and technology subjects when they do online searches. And I think you were roughly alluding to the algorithms that play out on the social media networks, where if you like a certain topic or you engage in a certain area, that you then are shown more of that kind of topic area I'd love for you just to expand on that kind of point and what you've seen on on that element of things
1: Yes, yes, we did the, that. Is, I'm so glad you bring this that up because this is another area what I think people have to be aware of this mm-hmm. and make an effort to 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 break what we have called the echo chambers. That idea that mm-hmm. not only in our social network we connect with people that are like us, you know, like a, mm-hmm. our social network is has. Friends that read the same type of news, that have, that have the same type of political views, that are interested in the same type of, of, of things or scientific issues. Of course, we have the, the, you know, the, fa- the outlier family member that's not like everybody else, but yeah. by now we do have those echo chambers that are, you know, like us, we call like the like-minded Individuals that are, you know, part of our daily life, but also mm-hmm. that idea that uh, the, the searches and and Google is the main browser people use right now as a search mm-hmm. a search tool. Uh, what when we you do a keyword, there's two things that happen right now. First mm-hmm. of all, actually several things. First of all, you do have a list of uh, shortcuts that are offered to you. So let's say I want to find out about nanotechnology and potential effects on the environment. I'm going to put nanotechnology and the environment in the, in my search engine. And then yeah. I have shortcuts that potentially are going to show nanotechnology and medicine because this is one of the keywords that has generated the most searches. So then that potentially is I'm going to click on that and forget my initial search. Let's assume I'm continuing my my, my search with nanotechnology and environment. And it brings the first page of results. The second thing that happened is that most people, they tend to click in the first page of results. Mm. And so that's the second thing that happened and so on and so forth. And the idea, the, the more people search certain topics, the more they click on certain links, the more they're likely to see that come back in their search result is something that is concerning because as uh, uh, the quote uh, that uh, you just mentioned, uh, in uh you know, kind of led to is that it seems that, you know, like the algorithm to some extent is leading people to see a certain content much more than what they really are looking for. By the way, there is a instance where people do more you know, in-depth searches. And that's where it's concerning with health and certain uh, characteristics of uh, of diseases and so on. We know that for health searches, people tend to be a little more careful about, uh, you know, like checking what they're doing. But certainly, by and large, if you're quickly searching for something and so on, there's a lot of process at at play that you have to be careful about, that you need to be aware of that algorithm and that tendency uh, for Google to show you the things that people search for. And last but not least, obviously, is that idea that uh, we need to be very careful about the trustworthiness of those sites that are come up on our searches. And if you want, mm-hmm. I can elaborate on that. But this is certainly for science and medicine, something that we're working hard to, to try to foster.
0: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I, I think well, there, there's a lot I think in this topic area um, and that really needs to be spoken about a lot more, and in two ways. It, this, my, my personal opinion on this, is one is obviously the platforms themselves, the algorithms, how they're working and in influencing people. Because ultimately, we have seen across history that, you know, for, for example, if you wanted to have a a, a, a coup in a country and you wanted to take over the government, you don't go and take over the government. The first thing you do is go and take over the media and spread propaganda. So exactly. we know, we know how important showing people regular messages is, even if they, they don't necessarily believe it, they're on the cusp, and then you can influence their mind and their decision. And so there has to be an influence on the platforms, definitely. And that's something that needs to be explored. And then the other thing that I uh, I think really needs to be discussed more is the accountability of oneself on what you're doing and how you're interpreting information and what you're you know are you just reading something and then because it aligns with your value are you then going yes that's correct rather than questioning things or questioning yourself and I think a lot more people need to take self-responsibility for for accepting propaganda almost because we are now in in an era where you know things are coming out of the woodwork the light is being shined on the dark where the media of old should have been this kind of trustworthy source isn't you know it was for one of a better purpose you know four old white dudes who ran media across most of western society you know right. and so whatever their agenda was was pushed on the public of mo- you know a lot of big countries i'm not saying like sort of main name names and places but you know there's, there's certain media empires that own most <laughs> of Western society. So and now we know that that's true and their opinions have come out and actually this is wrong and, you know, that person wasn't okay and, this, you know, all these lights are being shined everywhere. I think, you know, there's a, there's an argument to say that people should do their own investigation as well. Um, have, have you seen anything in that kind of side of things as well? Yeah, and that, I'm so
1: glad you bring in that up, Tom, because this is exactly the, the, the line of research we're embarking on right now. Mm. We have... A, uh, a grant from the National Science Foundation uh, that actually tried to to, to to get exactly to what you're doing. So we know the processes at play when people find information. There's mm-hmm. something that we called that's called in psychology motivated reasoning, and you have alluded to it. That idea that we tend to uh, to accept information that's in line with our values. Uh, confirmation bias and also the one that we tend to reject the one that does not align with my bias and so on. I mean, I'll go on forever in that respect. However, we also know quite a bit about that accountability factor. How can we make people more aware of those shortcomings and to, 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 to some extent, more critical of what they encounter. Mm -hmm. This has been, uh, you know, like, investigated for a while. uh, For middle school uh, students, with middle school students, there's actually good research in educational psychology that shows that uh, you can teach kids to do that. Not mm-hmm. to take right away like information and so on, but you can teach. You can have, uh, you know, uh, some type of uh, of uh, trigger to make, uh, you know, like those young minds more critical and and when they access information, try to understand where it comes from. That what does it mean? What does it trigger in my mind and so on? The thing is mm-hmm. that uh, as adults. Uh, You know, we may have been trained to do that in a room, although not always very well. You know, we've been trained that it's rude to uh, interrupt people, that you don't yell at people's face and so on. But we've never, actually, most of us, have had any kind of media literacy training as it comes to social media environment. I mean, this is something that kind of came into our lives, as you say, you know, like, let's say, in the last 10 years, without people have been any type of let's say, educational training on how to behave a certain way, right? And Mm -hmm. what it is as far as like the news that they counter. I mean, when you had... Motivated reasoning has existed forever. We would buy the newspaper that fit their political ideology or and so on, right? right. But at least it was clear and stated and so on. The letters to the editors were curated by the newspaper itself and it wasn't, you know, like let's say, one million comments that, that, that were following. So although the processes are the same as they've always been for the human race, it gets very complicated because processes are fast and there is a lot of things that are happening, particularly when you said uh, with the media conglomerates that are right now, that add to the pause in a way that makes it more complicated. So going back to what, how to make people more accountable and so on, something that is really concerning to us is the fact that we see that not only you have the problem of misinformation and potential propaganda and so on, and quick judgments from people based on, you know, like if uh, the information feeds their value or not, but also we have that process that tends to make people more polarized. So instead of bringing people together, if you wish, all those ecosystems, chambers and what well, the process we've been talking tend to polarize people even more, tend to make them more extreme in their attitudes as far as like different science issues are concerned to stick to the science topic. So the, the, the idea of that, that, that research projects we are embarking on right now is for issues related to human gene editing, which is something that we should all Think about very carefully because it's becoming a reality with new tools such as CRISPR-Cas9. How can we foster, uh, you know, a productive discussion uh, with people in a way uh, that counterbalance that whole motivated reasoning, but uh, help them, you know, make an informed uh, judgment about issues that are complicated, but should not always lead to polarization. So this is something that uh, we are really keen in exploring in depth and find out if there can be, you know, like a certain way to design online platforms and so on to counter these processes that we're describing right now.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I do think it's, a, it's an amazingly interesting time. I think uh, well, my, my personal overview of the, <laughs> of the process at the moment is this kind of we're almost taking like one step backwards to take two steps forward. I think we're going in the right direction in the sense of, open communications is the way to go there's people now who have got voices and platforms that they never would have got 10 years ago um they would have just been shut out the gatekeepers would have not allowed them a platform and now we can hear their voices and and you can see that we live things like the me too movement for example it's a really obvious example where actually these things can be used for good and bring awareness to things that were you know people were maybe just maybe they knew it was happening but they were just pretending they didn't now there's a light shined on it people are standing up and saying actually i don't agree that this is okay um uh, and we're seeing that from all corners of the place so there is a certain trend of of good i think in general and i think people in general are good but yeah we've got to be very much aware of this underlying tone like you say where you you have these these conscious or unconscious bias um and so how do we make sure that that's not being used in some sort of negative way um Hey, so, what, what what progress have you seen so far? You said you, you've been looking at some of these studies on on children and um, making them more inquisitive and questioning the information they're being given. Uh, is that very much early stages um, at the moment, or, or are you quite far along in that process? You know, what, you know, how, how far are you along with that? Are you are you able to come to some conclusions yet? Yeah, this is really at the early stages. We have embarked on this
1: project literally uh, two months ago. Uh, the the the, and we're working with adults right now in partnership with. Uh, uh, a uh, group here, like a, an institution that's within UW Madison, mm. that's called, called the Wisconsin Discovery Institute. They have a public. Uh, side of things there where they, they, they organize a lot of public events to foster critical conversation and so on. The idea is to, you know, to do research that, uh, obviously is radically valid, but also is useful to the community. So we're trying, uh, to, to build as much as possible community events that let us test whatever we do in, in a, a, a realistic way. So mm-hmm. right now, what we have found out in the lab is that when let's say you 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 propose to people different type of articles related to human genetics, let's say as a topic of choice, you know if it's an editorial of if it's a you know like a, a news item that actually goes more in depth into the science mm-hmm. and so on, different type of articles. They tend depending if the people think they will be talking to people that share their views after the exercise, or if they're going to be in a group with people that have different type of views, they're going to choose different type of articles. So they will go to the editorial if they think they're going to encounter people that don't think like that way and so on. So we know that if people expect disagreement afterwards, Mm. that's changed the way they're going to be looking for information. So now we're trying to go more in depth into that process to understand how we can leverage that to actually foster constructive discussion. So you should bring me back to your show in six yeah. months from now. <laughs> I hope we have very good news for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That, that would be a wonderful way to have a, a, a follow-up and, and see what you've done with this. Um, it'd be very interesting. And I'm interested to hear, obviously, like you say, you're at early stages, but you have been looking at this kind of, I suppose, world for, for a while. What would be your... your um, takeaway at the moment for you know if I'm a scientist um, you know I'm a professor or a researcher whether that be at a university or, or within a business um, and I'm wanting to communicate science perhaps I'm being informed by my business or my funders that I need to do more science communication or outreach and that sort of thing uh, how would you recommend they go about doing that um, in light of, of what we've been discussing here um, what would you say the best kind of practices are uh, for scientists?
1: Well, I think I mean, uh, as I was t- telling you uh, uh, five minutes ago, it's mm-hmm. like I would reiterate: there is a science of science communication, yeah. and it may be very complicated. So that we don't, we shouldn't just assume that it's simple. So again, l- depends of what type of science we are talking about. But let's assume it's one type of of let's say application that may generate, uh, you know, controversy. Let's say human genetic, Take an example: CRISPR Cas. You know kits that are really like right now very, very popular in the United States. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I think the number one uh, thing that uh, scientists need to remember is that they shouldn't take the audience for granted, that we always, you know, are talking to people that may be very different than what we expect, and they may have very different views from our own as far as the potential either benefits or risk. Or, or potential application, or potential, uh, you know, uh, consequences, and so on. So I think the main thing is that be aware that people have different values that they come, uh, they put to play when they they listen to us. Because just by acknowledging those values, acknowledging that people may feel differently, you rarely foster potentially uh, that the audience are going to listen to your message uh, mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a more positive way. So you know just framing the message in a way that acknowledge that there are this different point of view different application and so on is i think it goes a long way sorry my phone
0: is ringing yeah no, no problem um okay yeah no, there's an interesting take on that subject um i think there can be a lot of information there you, you've covered quite a lot and and i definitely think we, we should get you back in, in a few months time when you, this project's a little bit further along um and like you say to be to be more aware of other people and not just push you all like this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it but to be more receptive to that somebody might have a different opinion they might view it in a different way for whatever reason and what you know that's not necessarily that you're right and they're wrong or, that, or vice versa, but just to be open to that leads to a better discussion in the first instance. Um, it's a very interesting point. Um, to just, um, I, I know we've got, we've got, um, uh, to wrap up fairly soon. I just want to give you opportunity to, to perhaps if there's any projects, you know, obviously this, this recent one that you're involved with, do you need any, any support from people, you know, take this opportunity to tell them a little bit about, uh, if you want them to, to be involved in that, or if there's just something else you'd like people to know about in general, um, is there something you want to let people know of?
1: Yeah, so there's another project that I actually am involved in right now that's much more applied that relates to climate change, mm. where we do have a number of people that are involved. It's called How We Respond, and it's, uh, <clears throat> it's uh, something that's been put together with the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Mm. And uh, what we did with this project in going to different communities and see a project that have been initiated by scientists in their community to try to foster uh, climate change uh, uh, friendly, uh, you know, like activities and so on. And there's a lot going on at the grassroots level that we never hear about in the media. And you know what? People are much more receptive to hope and positivity than to negativity. And right now, what we've seen with climate change related communication is a lot of gloom and a lot of like, we're going to be, you know, uh, the humanity is gonna end in 50 years and so on. and yeah. this kind of messages that honestly are not constructive at all and and practically are you know producing a lot of uh, uh, of, uh, let's say, let down among the younger population, at least in the United States. So I think it's important for people to know that also being involved in the community and making good story heard actually goes a long way in helping everyone uh, realizing that we can do something about this terrible thing that's happening.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, no it's just a, it's um a few there's so many different things we were involved with, and I'm sure we could speak <laughs> <laughs> for for ages and ages yeah. on it um so just um I suppose in kind of closing what what do you see as the future of uh, of communications in in general for for scientists specifically? <clears throat> well what I see is that I think we're gonna have
1: a new generation of scientists I mean I see it among the younger researchers I'm working with yeah. where they understand that you know to solve uh, big problems that we're facing you need to have interdisciplinary teams you you need to have you know like uh, social scientists bench scientists humanists and so on that actually Put their head together to solve problems that, 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 that we have. And that means that as far as training is concerned and as far as the type of classes scientists will take, you know, it, it will be more than just, uh, you know, like their own. Uh, more technical background but also included things that go beyond just the the usual expertise and I see that right now uh, you know in the field a lot of scientists that are involved in science communication they are approaching me and other researchers in social science to actually work together in different teams. so I would encourage your listeners to reach out to people that are in other fields to actually think together the best way to communicate their science.
0: Perfect great um well, I think um, I know you've got to get going. So I think we, we will close out there, but I definitely want to take you up on, on a few months time, get you back in uh, and, and see how this project is going for you. But thank you very much for your time today, Dominique. It's really, really been a pleasure to speak with you and quite eye-opening in, in the way that you've seen communication and, and studies that you're doing today. Um, so thank you for being a part of the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's okay. And thank you, everybody, for listening along. Glad to have you here as always. Uh, If you've enjoyed today's show, do make sure you like and share this episode. Uh, Follow our channel so you can hear every time a new episode comes out. And if you've got any questions, uh, you need to reach out to anybody. There will be links and things in the description below. Uh, But as always, thanks again, and I'll see you again next time. Thank you so much for joining in today's episode and if you're thinking about an audiobook for your own research please visit www.sipod.global that's sipod.global and find out how we can help increase your science impact. Bye for now and catch you again next time.